0: Chapter one, take two. Two. Nice.
1: Nice. What I do know deep down, although I keep it secretly secret, is that I'm terrified at the thought of losing myself again wholeheartedly to any man because it is so scary peeling off that protective sealant that's been guarding my heart and letting somebody go inside and walk around, lie down, look around and see all those red flags, especially when right next to your heart is your soul. And then inside that is the rest of your personality puzzle pieces and they're full of flaws and in your grown-up years you have just finally started to recognize them for what they are one by one. You're trying to resolve some of these issues but you're only up to say number four and the list is too long to get into here but the mere thought of being emotionally naked again is frightening because you remember how fucked up it got the last two or three times out there. Since the world is now aware that women like us are trying to beat the clock, some of us have built this invisible fence around our hearts that people use to keep their dogs inside the yard. If they go past that invisible wired line, they get shocked until eventually they get tired of getting electrocuted and so they sit there and watch cars and other dogs go by and sort of just stay put. This is pretty much where I am. And lots of my girlfriends are, too, because this is the big easy that I hope Winston hasn't heard about, but then again, I'm sure if they get BET down here, they must get Oprah, too. The only thing I'm hoping is that if he is on this kind of sympathy mission, he realizes women like me are not really desperate. Getting late is hardly a problem. Almost any male takes a free pussy but getting laid by somebody you want to get laid by is an entirely different issue. When we finally meet somebody we do wanna lie down with when we aren't feeling desperate, what we're feeling is vulnerable, nervous, and scared. Big difference, big, big difference. But once again, Stella, you are, like, getting far too deep here for somebody who is planning to have a little sexual encounter with a boy for one single evening. So, like, could you spare me your philosophical sociological rantings on the status of women and black women in particular in America, okay? And let's just get us some nuggies and hope it's good and get
0: on this vacation. Can we do that? Hey, everyone. Welcome to Chapter 1, Take 2, the podcast where we read the book, watch the film, and discuss the adaptation. My name is Maddie. I'm Brianna. And this week, we are discussing how Stella got her groove back
1: you need a husband and your son needs a father had one got
0: rid of him so glad I did
1: Stella when was the last time you had a decent day? tell the truth
0: don't talk to me for the next two hours <sighs> I need 20 clients back to back to back. All
1: work and no play. Do
0: you want to be rich? Made
1: Stella a big success. Do
0: you want to wallow in regret? But everyone knew she needed a vacation. You ain't been nowhere since I was a natural blonde. Except Stella.
1: We're going to Jamaica. What? I want you to try to have some fun.
0: Sure. I mean it. Written in 1996 by Terry McMillan and then adapted only two years later in 1998 into a film. Yep. That is a very quick turnaround. Mm.
1: Well, I mean, um, by this point, Terry McMillan had already published "Waiting to Exhale," which had also already been turned into a film.
0: So, so people were ready. Yeah. They were like, let's cash in on those book deals. At least I
1: think that's correct.
0: I'm pretty sure she'd already done "Ready to Exhale" or whatever the exhale. Waiting to exhale. Waiting to exhale. Waiting. Waiting. Sorry.
1: Exhale. Exhale. Inhale. Yeah, 1995
0: delightful this was episode 12 this is episode 12 of season 2 for chapter 1 take 2 uh female-led literature and film i thought the book was better than the movie but both were black
1: okay shall i give a um a summary all right then so we open on page one and we meet Stella, who is a little bit controlling in her life. A little! Um, she likes things just so and feels like there are clear right and wrong ways to act and be and dress and think and do and exist. And and there is laziness and um, she's got a very treat-yourself vibe throughout the rest of the book. So, um... Her son goes away. She's divorced. Her son goes away for the summer to spend the summer with her dad. And she's got... His dad. Uh, yeah, with his dad. Um, And she's got a few weeks alone. And she's like, oh, I'll get to that to-do list that I always have. And then suddenly decides to go to Jamaica. She goes to Jamaica and she is 41 years old. She meets a 20... 42, 42 years old. She meets a 20-year-old. And they have like a tete-a-tete romance rendezvous dalliance while she's in Jamaica she goes home and's like I have to say goodbye to this man because we're too young too different in ages and then she's like oh boy do I really miss him and then she and her son and her niece get on a plane and fly back to Jamaica after she loses her job and they see him again and they don't get to spend very much time together because he's working at a resort and has really crazy hours And so she flies back home and then Sends him a ticket, and then he comes to stay with her, and then they decide to get married. And in the book, someone dies. I mean, in the movie, someone dies. And
0: that's that's it. Yes. But I mean, it's not it, because the book is just so long. Both the book and the film are really long. So Stella is this work-addicted woman that we meet, and she, you know, she's... Living the life she's built and, you know, she's, uh references how she's gotten out of the ghetto and she has her own home and, you know, what is she making? Over 200000 American yeah. dollars. Something crazy. Is she a stockbroker in the book? She's a corporate analyst. Yeah. So Are she tells this?
1: people how to invest their money, I think, or corporates, okay. the corporations how to invest their money. If we had enough
0: money, we could hire someone like that.
1: I mean... <laughs> yeah so, okay <laughs> <laughs> um i think it's complicated i think this is complicated because on the one hand like mm. it's based on terry mcmillan's life so there's yes. some truth to this story sure uh but that that makes it even more
0: complicated because we know how it ends in real life we do he's a gay sorry yeah uh, we're gay so i hope that's okay that i did that um Stella's best friend has already died in the novel Mm. and in the film. She dies on screen. Is her name Delilah? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Delilah, who's played by Whoopi Goldberg in the film. It's really funny when you watch 90s films and you see all these really famous people and they're they're in this film that's like before the book I had never even heard of it. Mm. Um, And the friend's death in the movie gives Winston the excuse to come to America and I think that was an interesting thing because we don't get the same internal thought processes quite in the in the movie as we do in the book yeah it seemed to be the director's way of rationalizing the kind of fast pace of the relationship um first impressions uh the film is over two hours long and it does not need to be like it nearly ends like four different times yeah i didn't really think i would like it but it's just because like the book is written in a really interesting way it's very unique but it is internal narrative so it's not there's no sentence structure there's no paragraphs it's just stream of consciousness stream of consciousness thank you brie what do you think
1: i mean it is it is stream of consciousness and it's not I haven't studied stream of consciousness in a really long time, like over a decade. But what I remember about stream of consciousness that's interesting is that you don't just get like long trains of thought. You get the way that it scatters and the way that um, you'll be looking at something and that jogs a memory and that gives you an emotion. And that emotion um, ties to a way that you're feeling and then Uh. you come back to the thing that originally... Because that's how our
0: brains work. Yeah, that's how we think. Um,
1: Whereas this is more rapid fire thought progression on the same train of thought
0: yeah um what did it why did you want to read that uh section of the book that you did
1: I think it's one of the better sections it's one of the more interesting sections I think there is a lot that's interesting about the way that Stella's character thinks I think when we see some of those moments where she's kind of analyzing and judging herself when she's Being internally reflective. That's the best part of the book. Mm. But it is bogged down by judgments of herself that are not, like... like Fair? Self-reflective. They're just like, you know, there's a section that comes um, maybe, like, just before this or just after that, where she's talking about her body and how she's not 21 years old anymore. And she's kind of, like, nagging herself. And... I hate to think that this book is out there and that people are probably still reading it because women who are in their 40s should not be judging their bodies for being in their 40s or treating themselves like they're not attractive because they're in their 40s and Mm. that their bodies are slightly more shameful because they're in their 40s. And I feel like you get that a lot sometimes. Like she goes, well, I am attractive because I work out and that's why I'm attractive because I take care of my body. Yeah, put in the work. Yeah, and it's really like... But then when she sees other people on the beach who haven't worked out, she's like why are they wearing bathing suits? Or like basically? why are they
0: comfortable being naked? Yeah. Or like she needs Why are they comfortable with
1: themselves? Yeah, she it she's... Is wrong that you're comfortable.
0: Yeah. Or like she needs some liposuction or she, like, you know, that guy, like she there's a character in the book where there's this he does tiles or something and his wife is French and she makes bizarre comments about like how did she get him? Kind of thing. Yeah. Like, it's very critical of other people, other people's bodies, other people's relationships. But I, I mean, she's not a hypocrite. She's very critical of herself as well. I've personally. That's true. I found it very irritating in the book just how much she brought up the age gap between her and Winston. I was like, just fucking be with him. Like, I just. I don't even care. Like, I understand that there are social pressures to have a certain type of relationship that looks a certain way I definitely get that as a lesbian woman and particularly a soft butch looking woman as my hairdresser recently told me which is fine but you know I I get the looks like am I a man or am I a woman like and you know I'm with a wife so that makes it even more complicated for people especially because you look quite feminine traditionally feminine Um, But I just, by the sixth or, like, tenth time, I was like, I just don't care anymore that you have an age gap. You obviously love each other. Stop being stupid and either be together or not. Yeah. Like, it was just irritating. Yeah. And I wanted the book to end. I, I really,
1: like, I was really interested in this book because it isn't, like, exclusively about the Black experience. Like, she definitely brings up race, issues in the book, particularly like how she's one of the only black American women in Jamaica yeah. that's there as a vacationer and not as somebody who's working for the resort. Like, yeah. almost everyone who's vacationing there is white. And yeah. that's a reflection of the wage disparity between African Americans and, Absolutely. and white people population. in America. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, and and it, it speaks to significance of how far she got and how far Terry McMillan got. But also, there is a sense that the only the only way to overcome blackness
0: is to get a lot of wealth yeah, it and it's super wealthy that
1: seems to be the message
0: and assimilate essentially yeah. isn't it because um but yeah it, it does seem to be the message and like you know she talks about how she gets braids before her trip rather than having her more traditionally um european hairstyles mm. and that kind of thing um i mean i don't have like if this book had a main character who was like a lesbian or um a white woman and there was the age gap like i still would have been annoyed at the like inconsistencies of the character's thought process oh, yeah, like no. even right before um winston proposes on the hammock which is how the book ends spoiler alert forever on this podcast spoiler alert but she says yes, but right before that, she was looking out on him on the hammock, thinking all these things about how he's going to go home soon and why she's looking forward to him leaving. And it's like, what do you think the marriage is going to be like if even before you say yes, like you're still being like, nah, I don't really want to be with him. Like, she's she's she talks about how she's not playing games and she talks about how she's an adult, but she's playing games the whole time. Yeah. And they're still playing games.
1: <laughs> and And I think that's what kind of holds the book back is that it's re- the entire conflict that drives the book forward is the age gap. And even though at the beginning we're set up with this really controlling person, she doesn't really relax or become self-reflective or ask herself why she's controlling or learn to mm. not hold herself to a such a high, extreme standard. Yeah, She just decides to be comfortable with the age gap. And that's it. Yeah, There's no other personal growth that comes out of this character.
0: No. As a character... It doesn't really make a lot of sense. And yeah. it's also quite boring. Like, I don't know. I didn't really find it that enjoyable. I'll tell you my facts because I have them. Yeah. Maddie's facts. Um, it had a budget of $20 million and cumulatively worldwide grossed $39.2 million, which is great. Nearly double. Um, like I said, written in 1996 and only two years later the film was made. It's classed as a romance slash rom-com. Um, I mean, I definitely see that. I, I would also add in drama though, like it is a quite a dramatic film and also there's death. So I'm not, I don't think it's just a rom-com. Um, it only got 50% on Rotten Tomatoes and 5.7 on IMDb. Uh, I personally feel like that's pretty accurate. Like it's, I've definitely seen much worse films, um, but it was way too long. And, uh, I thought some of the acting was really great, but it's also like have, Quality over quantity, in my opinion. Um, Directed by Kevin Rodney Sullivan, who, very famous director, um, directed Guess Who in 2005, um, which I, you know, I really liked that movie when it came out. Do you remember that movie? It's got um, the guy who does the pranks, whose name I've forgotten.
1: It sounds familiar, but I can't think of what
0: the plot is. um, There's uh, an African-American family, and the daughter, who's like an adult, like she's in her 20s, she brings home a white boyfriend and the dad is like what <laughs> i don't think i've seen it it's got that guy who i should know he's in um that 70s show and he's now married to the beautiful woman who was also in that show ashton kutcher, <laughs> ashton kutcher! it's got ashton kutcher and it. it's a comedy and like i, I don't really like that movie hmm. uh, for me that movie um is really fun because i particularly like the scene between the dad and Ashton Kutcher. And like he gives him all this advice about the relationship and then the dad steals the advice and fucks him over. Yeah. I've always thought that was really funny. Uh yeah. And also Well oh, maybe I have seen it. I'm I sure that you have. Kevin Rodney Sullivan also directed he's directed Modern Family, um which is great. Um Stella Payne is played by Angela it's Bassett. Bassett. Ba- no, I thought it was silent. Is it Bassett? I thought Angela Bassett was how it's pronounced. It doesn't matter, Bassett, um, who's 62 now, but looks amazing. She plays the Queen in Black Panther, yeah. which I thought was pretty great. Um, Winston Shakespeare is played by Tay Diggs, who I know the most from private practice ages ago when they had that spin-off from Grey's Anatomy. Never seen it. Well, yeah, you know him from Rent? Yeah. Yeah. Benny? Benny. Yeah. Um, Delilah Abram, who is dead in the book alive and dies later in the film played by the incredible whoopi goldberg um vanessa who is one of stella's sisters is played by regina king obviously incredibly famous wonderful actress love her in the second uh Miss Congeniality. Hmm. yeah really good uh and quincy payne who is stella's son is played by michael J. Pagan. Hmm. Um, there's lots of really famous people in this film
1: i think regina king is also in mother
0: monster-in-law uh yeah i mean that's what i've got written down um if I was to rate the film as an adaptation I mean I didn't know I didn't think that they would go back to Jamaica the second time and then him come over so that was pretty consistent that I wasn't expecting Um, they did obviously make an entire character who was supposed to be dead alive but I understand why they did that so that Stella had someone to talk to rather than having internal monologue the whole time which I do appreciate because it's more interesting to watch Um, I'd say I don't know Six as yeah. an adaptation. I feel six. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I I genuinely think that this is probably the best version of an adaptation that we were going to get. Um, so big changes. Delilah, who is a not really a character in the book because she's dead before the book starts. Um, but Stella has a best friend who has died, and that does affect her. Um, and in the book, in the movie, they've just brought her into the film because. Yeah so much of the book is internal so she needs someone yeah to talk to and kind of
0: explain how she's feeling. It also does show a nice softer side to Stella, I thought, in the film. Yeah. Like I The that... funeral scene was nice. Yeah, for me the hospital scene where Stella is, um, you know, interacting with Delilah. Is it Delilah? Yeah. She does not look like a Delilah. No. But that's my fa like to me that's actually my favourite scene from the movie because, um, I don't know I just thought the acting was really good and I liked the interaction between the two friends and I I thought it was really beautiful that you know it was showing best friends being there for each other like when she's rubbing her feet and they're holding hands in bed like I just thought it was really sweet and I thought it showed a nice softer side to Stella that we don't get to see that often in the rest of the film.
1: Yeah so Delilah is alive in the film and then she dies and that is sort of well, the, the thing is, is that it makes sense to include Delilah as a foil so that someone, there's someone for Stella to talk to. But she's not really utilised in that way very often. And then it also makes sense for Delilah to die if that helps Stella come to terms with,
0: you the, know. The preciousness of
1: time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like taking, taken life. Yeah. In her own hands and not worrying about what other people think. Especially because that's the character that Delilah is in, in the film. Absolutely. Somebody who doesn't care about what other people think. But that's also not what comes out of it. It's just a thing that happens that's sad. And like you said, it gives Winston a reason and to, to come. come to the US. That's yeah. not Stella sending her a,
0: it's weird. him a first class plane ticket. Yeah, things don't seem to impact Stella that change her perspective. Like it just seems like she comes back in the book and everyone is like oh you're glowing like wow what happened to you and she's like i just had such a good time and i met this boy and blah 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 and but that's it that's it like there's there's no there's, the there's only- no reason for her to change her mind at the end to be like oh yes let's be together now like even in the movie they have all these fights about very real problems that yeah. are, that are not going to go away because there is a 20 year age gap and yes it's brought up in the book and the film that Men with the same age, age gap. It doesn't come up. But we can't deny that we live in a world where... Men have these egos that... Like if they're taking care of someone else and buying all this shit... It's not that big of a deal. But there's a scene in the movie... Where Stella goes to pick up dinner because legit Winston has no money. And so he's all defensive about it. And he's like stop treating me like a boy if you want me to be a man. And it's like bro you have no money.
1: You are a boy.
0: Yeah. You don't have a job or a career. And but
1: also... Stella does want him to be a man. I know! Uh, She does not know
0: what she wants!
1: It's very clear. It's not surprising that their marriage didn't work out. Not at all! Sorry. (laughs) Irrespective of the fact that he's gay. Yeah. There was a
0: very... I wanted to ask you about this because we are members of the Rainbow community. There is an interview... I watched this at the beginning of it. um, I didn't finish it, but I meant to. Where... um, in the real life. Is his name Winston in real life? I don't think so. Okay. So the real life characters that... Um, Terry Jonathan Ma- Plummer. Oh, yes. Terry McMillan, yeah, based this off. They're on Oprah, the two of them. And Oprah, um, you know, she's doing her... Um, Oprah thing. Uh, her talk show host thing. And she's like, I just find it hard to believe that you had no inkling growing up that you weren't gay and I mean I think that's a hard thing to say to someone because depending on how oppressed you were which is what he starts to talk about in his culture it's not really an option to be gay um and I mean you may have like I don't know from my experience I knew from the age of like two that I was a lesbian, but Mm -hmm. I couldn't articulate that. I just knew that I wanted to have women as my best friends, but it wasn't until I was about 15 and I had my first girl cast that I realized I was like, oh, I'm a lesbian. I don't just want to be best friends with these women, right? But everyone goes through a a different journey. Like I wasn't religious at all growing up. And so for me coming out, um, I still have issues with people like my family kind of really accepting the way I want to present myself, the way I want to dress and that kind of thing. But I've never felt shunned by them. But it's kind of, we don't really talk about it. But I don't know. What do you think about the fact that Oprah was kind of giving him a hard time maybe accusing him of using Terry to either get into the States or their relationship or what? Like, I don't know. I just felt like it was a bit harsh. Or do you think, because do you think he really didn't know that he was gay? I think a big question. Yeah I think it's a big
1: question to ask me to speculate on someone's life and the complexities of their particular coming out story coming from a country that I know nothing about and also within a race that I know very little about. Uh, But I'm asking you anyway Brianna. Well the thing is is that it could be yes and it also could be no. He might have had inclinations that he was gay but he might have fought them so hard that they didn't come at a surface level he mm. might have really appreciated a lot of things about Stella. And money might have been a factor, even if he wasn't... At 20 years old, do you really know yourself to know... no nope. You know, well enough, whether or not you're that kind of person? Maybe, maybe he did know that on some level he did want to come to America and have a better life for himself. And maybe, maybe he did want to use Stella to get a life in America... Because he did know that he was gay, and that getting a life in America would mean a significantly better life of less oppression, sure.
0: And is that that better I mean, thing? Not really, in my opinion. I mean, it's it's always terrible to use people. Yeah. But humans have designed such an.
1: I just don't think it's entirely unjustified. Yeah. I I think it's so complicated. What I what I'm more frustrated with is that it's it. There are definitely tales although i i don't know how much can be spoken to them about terry McMillan being quite like homophobic in the way that her anger presented itself after they separated and i don't think if that's true it is okay to be angry at someone if they you feel like they used you mm. but you can be angry about that and say you know you're a conniving person who manipulated me and took my advantage of my emotions and you're a jerk and an asshole and whatever and not call them a fag absolutely you, you know? can be
0: angry at someone for how they treated you and it has nothing to do with their sexuality yeah definitely
1: using homophobic slurs is hate speech end of story and i think that if she used those it's unacceptable
0: mm. i don't know if she did or not
1: yeah yeah um so it is it is really complicated um just coming back to the book uh and the adaptation i i I think that really the biggest change was that they obviously, uh, uh, the the, ad, the addition of Delilah, yes. they obviously streamlined quite a bit, but like you said, she goes to Jamaica, she comes back, she goes to Jamaica, she comes back, and then Winston comes, mm. and that's all pretty accurate. I like that that was the same. Um, I thought at the beginning, some of the streamlining things that they did, like the, vo- the two voicemails to De- Delilah about Jamaica, I thought showed just how controlling and how she wants to be a version of... Th- this person but she's not that person mm. and how she needs Delilah and other people to bring that out of her yep. um, so I, I really like that they streamlined the opening quite a bit which is fine um, I enjoyed seeing her and her element at work I thought that was pretty cool Um. I thought her son was perfect he was a really good combination of, yeah the son was great he, he, he clearly was loved so his cute. mom in the book and in the thing But I always think that's interesting when you're looking at a book that's written by an author who is the narrator, because this is somewhat autobiographical, how much of this is the version of events that she wants us to see and how Mm -hmm. much of it is actually that, like, is her son really that doting and affectionate? I mean, it's, you know, it's just speculations. It's really just...
0: Well, does she even have a son in real life? I think she does have a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But absolutely, we talked about that quite a lot as even as we were reading it, we were like, these characters are either too much of an archetype or they're too nice. Yeah. Like Winston is too nice and her son is too nice. And it's like, he's a teenage boy, like obviously depending on his experience and maybe he is more... Um, considerate and, um, you know, caring of his mum because of the divorce or, you know, however he's been raised. But he was—he has no point of just having, like, a teenage tantrum. Yeah. You know, and he's cool with Winston and then, like, his mum's cool about getting his nose pierced and I don't know. Yeah. It was just irritating. I was like, this isn't believable.
1: <laughs> I really missed the shopping spree that she goes on mm. uh, from the book. I thought that was kind of a fun... A fun thing. Uh, I also um, am disappointed that they didn't give her a monologue in that confrontation scene with her sister, where it, it is for me one of the best parts of acting in, in the movie. Where her sister says, "Aren't you worried?" and um, Stella says, "Yes, I am," and that's all we get. And I was like, "Where's the monologue? Where's the? This is the. This is the chance for the the screenwriters yep. to take." The best parts, the insights, the reflection that Stella does have about herself and feeling, Mm. you know, scared of giving herself to someone, but also like she deserves this and she feels alive for the first time. And isn't that great? Because she's forty one and she's not getting any younger. And 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 life didn't work out the way that she wanted it to. She didn't have a happily ever after, but Mm. she's worked really hard. And I wanted to hear that from Angela Bassett's mouth in, in in Stella. And I'm disappointed we never got that. Absolutely
0: i totally agree with you I totally agree with you i had before we were talking about the hospital scene i had another scene in my head that i that stood out to me that i want to talk about but because the computer stopped working i forgot technical issues i tell you i tell you um it was something else that was added that i liked oh yes i just remembered correct um what did you think jog
1: that memory like selling jogs down the road
0: she got some serious abs. Yeah. That's pretty Angela amazing. That's fine. That's amazing. Mm. And she is 40 when she shoots she shot this film. And I was yeah. like, fuck. But like you could. <laughs> you look recall. amazing. Yeah. No, no. And she had like no wrinkles. No, that's what I'm saying. I was yeah. like, she looked great. Um But also if you're forty and
1: you have wrinkles, total legit. Abs own those. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what did you think about the addition of the scene where Winston kind of um blindside Stella in in meeting his parents oh because that's not in the book and I and I and I thought that it was very unfair of Winston to not even tell Stella that that's where they were going or to get her opinion on it because obviously it was going to go poorly because Winston's mother is 41 and in the film Stella is 40 rather than 42 and it is just the most awkward thing yeah I, I don't know. I mean, I definitely thought it showed the immaturity of Winston, but I'm not sure what that scene was for.
1: Exactly.
0: Like, was it just so we could okay. see... It? Was it just so that we could see the world was affirming Stella's hesitation about the relationship? And if so, why does she then go ahead with it? Like, it's just... That's what's great the point?
1: a segue into how do we rate the film as a film. How do you rate the film as a film?
0: Hmm. Um, mm, three, four, three and a half. Yeah, four. I'm, I'm right with you. I just, I was like, what? Like, it's too long, and so much happens,
1: and you're like, okay. But like, there are also scenes like that that don't seem to have a pur- purpose. Like, I still don't entirely understand what the point of Whoopi Goldberg's character is in the film. Yeah, like I, I understand what it should have been but Maybe. I don't
0: understand what it was yeah because it wasn't that yeah I totally agree
1: but I guess like it is this really intense realism and in, in real life you don't have all the time like big epiphany moments where your friend dies and that suddenly gives you a new perspective on life no but if Sometimes your friend it does, does die, die but I'm sure that it would sorry I'm clicking the pen sorry I'm a nervous clicker <sighs> um I felt like so many elements of the film were disjointed I, maybe I didn't pick up on it, but I didn't feel like there was enough of the, con- like everything in the book is referenced. What music she's listening to, what color of the jogging shorts she's wearing. Yeah, she's really into
0: Seal in the book.
1: Yeah, and I wanted to hear more of the music that she was playing and they were listening to um, in as the soundtrack of the film, but we didn't get that. And I felt like the soundtrack was weird in p- points. And also some of the cuts were weird. I felt like, a, especially in the barbecue, I felt like some of the, Cuts that weren't related to the conversations people were having either about Stella or to Stella about Winston, like really made sense. Mm. They, you know, it felt weird. The music playing underneath her when she jogs, um, yeah, it was so intense. Yeah, it it was, it was really weird. Um, the moment on the beach, which provides foreshadowing where rupee goldberg's character delilah says god is here um <laughs> it's disjointed because like i can tell that it's there for foreshadowing but if your friend solemnly looked out on the beach and said god is here i would be like hey are you right hey what's happening What's going on? You're acting a little bit strange. Actually, now that I think about it, the fact that you wanted to pick up and go to Jamaica is weird.
0: They're like, yeah, there's a lot of reasons that Stella should have known that Delilah was sicker than she was saying. It even, they, because they bring it up. Because I see it in the movie, we were watching it and Delilah starts talking about like, I've been trying, trying this gym sing and sing-sing and blah, 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 and... She's, like, trying to get that spring back in my step, and it's just not working. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, well, she's going to die.
1: Yeah.
0: And you were like, oh, yeah, she is too, because she's talking about health and stuff. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm always happy to see Whoopi Goldberg in a film. I, I, oh, yeah. I love Amazing. Uh, her comedy. Um, I just, it's, yeah, it's weird that, you know, especially when your friend is so funny and then they go all solemn and they look over on the ocean and they talk about God being there. Yeah. It's like, I would ask what the fuck that was about.
1: Oh yeah, the music that's running like underneath after the proposal is what I was talking about before. But yeah, um, that being said, the cuts of the film did feel super 90s like when they're in the sex scene and they're like getting all hot and heavy and then it pans away to the sky oh my god that
0: was so, so funny yeah. i was like it's a traditional like 90s pan away like when well, they're having sex let's not watch yeah um but then they get that real hot and heavy scene later after they've had that fight um about stella not oh, giving yeah. um well um, wilson winston yeah, I was like, that's not right. Well <laughs> said. Yeah, not giving Winston an answer about the proposal. And then they have this, you know, emotional, sexy, sexy time. Do people and actually they, uh, get into the shower with their clothes on while someone else is naked? Just take them off. Yeah. Just take your shirt off, Stella. Um, and then, you know, the next day Winston's like, hey, I know that we love each other. And I know we just had really good sex, but I'm going to leave now. Because you hurt my pride because you have given me an answer. Yeah. And then she's like, no, it's just don't go. And the airport scene, also very classic, 90s. Classic 90s, yeah. Uh, oh. Go to
1: have an airport scene. Is yeah. it love if you don't
0: I even, you connect an And airport? I also, is this a thing that ever happens in the States? Like he gets out of his cab and there's someone who meets them there and he's like, "Ticket, sir. And I'm like, I've never been asked for a ticket outside of an airport, but it confirms the person cleaning his bags is taking it to the right plane. Maybe
1: I, if you're really wealthy. Could be a rich people thing.
0: But he's, did his parents pay for the flight? Or was like, come home, son. I don't know. Stop hanging around with that woman my age. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know.
1: I don't know. Um, what do you think
0: we'll be like when we're 40? But, okay,
1: can we talk about the sex scene? That sex scene? Because like, films always want to put this kind of sex scene. It's very male gaze Like, she gets into the shower. She hasn't taken her clothes off because she just wants him too much. But like, practically. Practically. yeah. This is what would happen. She gets in the shower. She hasn't taken her clothes off because she wants to demonstrate how much she wants the man to the man. And then her clothes become soaking wet. And while she's trying to be in the moment, she's thinking, Is this cashmere? Is it supposed to be wet or is it dry clean only? Have I just destroyed this $200 nightgown? When I get out of the shower, is it going to cause mold to build up on my floor? Now they're in bed. They're underneath the sheets. And she's thinking... When I get out of the shower, when we're done with this, I'm gonna have to put that directly in the wash. But then again, is it dry clean only? And that, like, and that's what she's thinking about. And then there's like, it. The, she tries to get it off when she comes out of the shower, so they can actually have sex but it's, like, sticking to her skin. It's not
0: romantic. Yeah, it's, it's all not, up on her face. It's not romantic. And it's just, like, gluggy. Yeah. Uh, and then it sloshes on the floor. And
1: one of them slips and breaks the hip and they're in the emergency room. Yeah,
0: and also, like, uh, I've never had sex with a man. I have no intention to ever do that. But I, I've heard that having sex in the shower isn't very good because it, like, takes away from the natural lubricants in the lady's vagina. My dear guy. Yeah. And also, how do you get good leverage? I don't know. It's complicated to me it looks like you're just about to shatter some panes of glass yeah it's just
1: you know sometimes people fart when they're having sex <laughs> so, you know that's all I'm saying sometimes what? you burp sometimes you fart sometimes somebody's on your hair and you gotta like maneuver and it, sometimes your arm starts to cramp and you gotta change positions and yeah. or maybe you're not feeling it or you're thinking about the shopping list like that's what real sex is like
0: yeah yeah
1: sometimes it is passionate and romantic
0: but not the majority of the time no I wouldn't say so. I would say the majority of the time, it's much more like sometimes sometimes someone has a little giggle um, and then, you know, someone, you'll be like, oh, let's change positions. Like, it's much, uh, what? Okay. Maybe we're just boring. No, I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it. I think, I think you're absolutely right with saying that it is the male gaze of sex because sex is more communicative than it's ever shown in films and TV series and if it's yeah. not in your relationship someone is not saying something I can promise you that because if you've never talked about it how do you even know that that's what your partner likes And it's like oh I can feel it like I can tell and it's just like stop being a cunt and just talk about it like Brie and I have been together for 7 years and we still want very different things intimately and so it's like you know matching with your partner and also you know trying to sheer like you know do you agree you're just looking at me
1: i'm just looking at you talking about our sex lives on our podcast
0: i'm not saying anything too bad am i yeah. no there's a body no you brought it up first i brought up the sex scene yeah i don't know i just think that our sex life is healthier than anything i've ever seen portrayed hmm well i mean yeah and i, I just hey, well, I with think the exception I... of *Portrait of a lady on fire yes definitely but there is talking in that sex scene so my point is validated exactly people talk when they have sex yeah
1: but me like, I don't want really to talk
0: um, I got
1: no blood in my brain
0: I don't even know <laughs>
1: I got no blood in my brain um yeah um I did really enjoy um in when they're in Jamaica I think this is the this might be the second time I really enjoyed the conversation that ended you don't make furniture anymore no Why? I make money instead. That's
0: the first time they have sex. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they're in bed and talking. Stop it. And they're talking about, um, you know, he's wanting to know what she does. Yeah. I thought that was weird as well because in the book, it's a really nice scene where Winston shows that he's basically all he's done is tidied up her workshop. Hmm. That's all that she's done. And she acts like it's this big thing. And it's like, you could have just hired someone to tidy it. But she doesn't I, think it's, I think it is
1: nice because it's somebody in her life saying that you can choose your art, which might not be the most quote-unquote responsible decision.
0: Yeah, but she's also, she's not a 20-year-old. Yeah. Like, yeah, I made decisions in my 20s that I literally wouldn't be able to make today. Like, I've quit jobs before because I was like, I'm sick of this, I'm leaving, blah. I can't do this today. I have a family and a mortgage. Hmm. She's 40. She has a child. But she has a nest egg. She absolutely has an aesthetic and she is in a very fortunate situation where she could reinvest some time and some money into her furniture creating yeah. and see where that goes. But not everyone has that luxury.
1: Yeah. I find it difficult to relate to books like this as well because I,
0: the, the, <laughs> mm, mm, mm. is that some Klingon? Well, Yeah. Um, <laughs> The way that she spends money. Oh, yeah. You know. Going back to Jamaica just after you got fired, I was like, bitch, you must have a lot of savings. And if you do, well done. Bravo.
1: Yeah, but it's just like hoarding wealth and like, uh, yeah, I I just, I don't like hoarding wealth.
0: I know. I know. We talk about this. We talk about a great rotations as well. Yeah. Um, No, it's definitely a thing. We were literally at a garden party today and we were talking about how we need to have a capital gains tax and a wealth tax. And I was like, how do we not already? Yeah. <laughs> it's just the stupidest thing. And I mean, I'm, you know, we're very fortunate in our lives, but we're definitely, we're not like out here thinking, oh, I can buy this and not worry about the price. Like we're, you know, we have budgets and we have calculations and we have plans, we have limitations we would have obviously liked to have gone back to the States. Uh, I just thought I was going to like this
1: book and movie as much as I liked stuff. Um, love and Basketball.
0: Love and Basketball. Basketball. Uh, was a really great movie and I'm really glad that you told me to watch it and I enjoyed it a lot and I agreed with you. You were saying it was very similar to Love, Rosie on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, but better. Yeah. But um, Love and Basketball is better. And I'm sure that it was. And they did it first. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but oh, it's about black actors. So no one talks about it. I talk about it. I know you do. Because you're excellent. Do you... Uh, you who, did I tell you or did you tell me about how the main actor from Aladdin, um, even though he did a major Disney film because he's Arab, he's still finding it hard to find roles because no one wants to hire, hire Arab actors. Oh, yeah. No, you told me about that. Yeah. I just find that so fascinating. And I... Yeah, what were we watching? It was a different woman who has a YouTube channel and she was talking about the Bridgerton and the representation in that.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that was that was that was great. Um she's talking about colorism, um, and featurism in Bridgerton.
0: And what was it it's it's fetishizing things or was it doing things on the surface level that she was talking about?
1: She was just saying that um, so she was saying that there was a bit of, like, colour, I think she said black, black baiting or colour baiting. Baiting,
0: yeah, that's what it was. Um, in in like, the sense and, that and like they... like, gay baiting and...
1: Yeah, they were going sh- to... They, they kept, like, a lot of the producers and the people who worked on Bridgerton were going to... Kept saying that they, they were going to address black issues, but then they don't a lot. Um, and that there was going to be a lot of diversity... But then there isn't really. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: like... Like there is, but I, there is... Uh, th- like it, There's one Asian character who has lines, and then every other character that looks of some kind of Asian descent is in the background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it definitely is more diverse than other things, but it's weird that they try to include it without talking about the issues, about why it's unique for them to include it in the first place. I don't know. I feel like we have this issue where there's a lot of people making movies and TV shows and visual content, and they have ideas that they think are really progressive because the industry itself is quite behind the times. But then you have um, YouTubers and podcasters and people who analyze stuff on a weekly, daily basis. And we're like, yeah, I see what you're trying to do. But you're not doing it well, really, and you're not going far enough. You're like, well, it's it, it, it's people. I think yeah.
1: it's people going like, oh, I want to be an ally, and or they're like, allyship is being capitalized on really well. Like, <laughs> let's make a movie that involves us, you know. Yeah. Have you noticed diversity? Have- but it's it's so surface level. They're not taking the time to get to know the issues. Yeah. And really think about them
0: um, think about on the a complex level. It's like volunteerism.
1: Yeah. They're like, black people just want to see
0: black people being black. Like, <laughs> but they're not thinking, you know. Also very, like, European looking black. Yeah. As well. Fair, fair skinned black, if well, that makes sense.
1: One of the things that Stella does do, just, you know, trying to circle back to the movie. Nah, um, nonsense! Um, one of the things that Stella does do well is that it does show snippets of the black experience that is black. Like, she doesn't navigate. It's, this book wasn't written about... A 40-year-old woman who is wealthy and needs a change and um, meets a younger man and has a lot of issues and this identity in the age group and controlling and, like, trying to find herself and be relaxed but also having responsibilities and trying to balance all that stuff. Who just happens to be black in the sense that the blackness of the character isn't taken into consideration. Mm. This is very much about a black woman. Yeah. And... No, it is. It does involve the issues that are particular to her as a black woman. Absolutely. But most of the book is focusing on the issues that we can all relate to, which are getting to middle age and looking back on your life and wondering if you've really found happiness. and mm-hmm. But also appreciating the things that you do have. And like, so I, I think that it's about the experience of a black woman as a woman, navigating the world but they don't but terry mcmillan doesn't exclude the blackness of the character because she can't because she is black as a writer so i think that's what this does well that maybe bridgerton doesn't do well Mm. um because it seemed to be like oh we're gonna write colorblind casting which has criticisms because it doesn't take into account the blackness of the the actor so it's not necessarily a true account but people feel differently about it there are some black people who do enjoy colorblind casting just because it gives black actors more roles yeah in older usually older shows or in um, period pieces absolutely well are we like and i just oh sorry just one more thing teeny bit yeah. the youtube video that we were talking about is race baiting queer baiting colorism featurism and performance diversity in bridgerton and it's by khadija mabao and I'm pretty sure I said her name wrong. Yeah, she's um, an opera singer, right? I'm
0: pretty sure she mentions that in her YouTube video. Oh, maybe she's opera trained. I'm pretty sure she said. I remember thinking um, like, "Fuck, that's cool." Yeah, that is cool. If yeah,
1: definitely. Um, and her name is spelled K H A D I J A space M B O W E. If you'd like to look up that video, and we'll link it in the description.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, talking about like capitalizing on ideas. Have you noticed how many more lesbian films have been released since um Portrait of a Lady on Fire? I was just looking up this other one that I wanted to go see called like Summerland or something. Yeah, Summerland. Um and that's a twenty twenty film and it's about a lesbian recluse lady.
1: Mm, and it's got Gugu raw in it. Mm. Love
0: her. Yeah. Um, but I So I just think that's interesting. Yeah. Because I, I will probably see it, and I wonder how good of a story it will be.
1: Oh, yeah, I do too. Do you think Portia the Lady on Fire is the one that kicked that off? Um, I only wonder that because it's French, so it probably doesn't have like a super...
0: But it, it was part of the Oscars. Yeah. And it also has a lot of international acclaim. True. So I definitely do think that that was a really good...
1: Stepping stone?
0: Yeah. But it's also like, but it was done really well because it was directed by a lesbian. Yeah. (laughs) And we talked about that in another episode um, with the guys from... Random Acts of Cinema. That's right. Random Acts of Cinema. Anyway.
1: but One of the other issues I had with it was how, like, obsessed she was with how dirty the female body is. It's very... She douches so many times in the book. She says the word douche so many times in the book with relating... In relation to douching herself. And how it's important that women douche themselves
0: for men. And I guess for themselves. I've, I don't douche. No. Your vagina is incredibly sensitive. And it's self-cleaning. If, yeah. if someone has an issue with the way it smells. Then tell them to fuck off. Like obviously shower. But you shouldn't put soap or anything down there. Just use water. Like this is really important. Feminine hygiene is very important. You smell great already. You don't have to... We saw Russell Howard and he was talking about this new thing that I hadn't even heard of where women were taking a pill to make their vaginas taste and smell like peaches. Don't do that. What the fuck? Not necessarily. Like, just... So many more women, I feel like, should either be single or just be lesbians because men do not do enough for us. That is the equivalent. Like... Uh, Brie even gives me a hard time, rightly so, because I'm a bit male in my behavior sometimes, like this morning. And today's a different thing because I've been unwell. But, you know, Brie was up and she made three cakes, a batch of muffins, tidied, did the dishes, brought me coffee and made breakfast. And did a load of washing. And did a load of washing. And then I got up and like I wasn't. Like, this was only, like, an hour later. Like, it wasn't that much later. But I I just literally... I know for a fact that if there were no women on this planet, it would stop functioning. <laughs> and that is a fact. Like, ugh. And it's... Sh- and, again, Russell Howard said it. I know I'm quoting a man, but he was right. And he was talking about how the countries that are being run by women have all fared better in this global pandemic. And it is not... <laughs> A coincidence. <laughs> it is because women are better in a crisis. We've also
1: had a lot of experience dealing with multiple sick kids, and that's really what this pandemic is. One hundred percent. Multiple sick kids. Women
0: are just more prepared. Yeah. And you know,
1: and it, trying to keep other kids from getting sick from their sick kids. Like, <laughs> you know, we've been doing this.
0: We've been doing this for ages. Like even women anticipate problems that aren't you like aren't even there. Like. This happened. We were at my uncle's 60th. And I was sitting on um, a couch outside in front of a brazier. And I was cold. And I had a blanket around my waist already. And there was one next to me. But I just didn't want to move and get it. And my mum, she didn't... She came over. And no one else was sitting on the couch. And she didn't put the blanket on herself. She picked it up. And she put it around my shoulders. Hmm. I didn't ask her. I was cold. I wanted it. She did it. And it made me think. I was like... she, She knew... Uh, like I didn't, I didn't even say anything, and I thanked her, and I was just. But you know, it. Ugh. Women solve problems that men don't even know are there. <laughs> anyway, um, yay for ladies!
1: Revamp, remake, retire. One, two, three, retire. retire.
0: <laughs> obviously, it'd be so bizarre for us to say anything else at this point. Yeah. What we haven't mentioned. Um, this episode will be coming up if you're in Christchurch, um, on the 11th of March, 8.30pm, we'll be doing a live podcast recording with the amazing Ray Shipley at Little Andromeda Theatre. You can buy tickets at Humanitech, so you can find it on our Facebook page. Um, come along, it's only 10 or $15 uh, if you're an adult or a student. Um, it's gonna be a great time, lots of fun. Uh, we're gonna be covering Carol, uh, the great book adapted to film with Kate. Launch in it and we also have a patreon now we do it's lovely what's the show that's on before ours it's called severely queer
1: right so what you could do is go see severely queer the cabaret show and then get it a little drinky rehydrate and then just pop yourself right back down in the same seat and, and listen to our show <laughs> that's what i would do that's a great idea that's mighty to be what we do so yeah. maybe you could sit with us and yeah. then we could discuss um severely queer and all of its wonder wonder and greatness and then we'll get to the podcast and then we'll do the podcast yeah
0: you probably even if you go to severely queer beforehand we'll sit together and then we'll have a drink at the bar and then we'll record our podcast that sounds like a great time to me yeah amazing yeah uh yeah our patreon is found on patreon under chapter one take two um be awesome if you could uh whatever you you know you can contribute would be amazing we uh we'll keep doing the podcast we love doing the podcast um yeah, it's a good time.
1: It just helps with um some of the costs associated with purchasing equipment and potentially you know buying books um <laughs> and um would hopefully we'd
0: like to be able to pay uh, our guests yes. yep and Brie with all of her infinite commitment to the written word, is returning to university this year to get her master's. So any help in supporting uh, our family will always be appreciated. I can thank my brother. He's already contributed because he's a delightful man. Uh, Yeah, great. What are we going to be doing next week, Brianna? What are we
1: going to be doing next week?
0: Dragon Rider. We'll be covering Dragon Rider as part of our season 2021 yes by Cornelia Funke who we've already covered
1: you might remember
0: her name from when we covered Inkheart yep and we did a lovely reading of her um at the beginning of the Wizard of Oz episode yes yeah yeah I don't know it's just been all over the podcast all over the place love those German authors yeah love them anyway are you good I'm good. Great. Thank you so much for listening. Chapter 1, take 2 can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'd love if you could tell your friends about us. Feel free to share our links around. Share our links around. What, what? Chapter 1, take 2. Woo! Book to movie review. Woo! Woo! Sorry, I didn't go low enough. Um, Facebook. I didn't give you any warning. Instagram, Twitter. That's right, darling. We have an email address. Chapter 1, take 2 at outlook.com. Um, com. I got given some cool stats by someone who probably wanted me to buy a subscription saying we're in the top 20 um podcasts in new zealand for some sort of category which was pretty amazing so thank you for that yeah thank you fans what's well, it's all about the fans i love the fans it's like bolin from uh, the legend of Korra when he's like but i love these fans i'm yeah. here for the fans oh man, that's so funny uh, if you haven't seen legend of Korra or the last ebnd you should definitely check it out it's just um you know something i've got tattooed on my body nothing I, I take too seriously
1: You don't understand how much we love our fans. So if you can, take a moment so we can give you a hand.
0: Great. See you next time. Bye.
1: Bye. I (laughs) know. Yes.